Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, it is a power hour of your listener mailbag questions. There's been so much that we have talked about throughout the summer, whether it's summer scouting, team previews, preseason predictions, everything. And we are giving you guys the floor to ask us all sorts of questions Follow, following up on whatever topic that you want to hear more from us. There's tons of stuff. We talk about player cuts, surprising player cuts, what jerseys we think are the coolest, what teams we believe are going to have great years, what makes a great NFL GM, so much more. I'm Trevor Sykema. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers joining you on a Thursday edition, the last Thursday of the summer schedule. Because Connor and I go to three episodes a week starting next week, but we wanted to officially end the summer in the best way possible. And that's with getting you guys involved in the show with a full episode of your mailbag questions. So that's what we are doing today. We're going through every single question that we could find with the iTunes review, through YouTube comments, DMs, Twitter format, everything. We're getting as many questions as we possibly can over what we think the episode will be uh, in about an hour. Connor, I-, I hope my voice doesn't sound too different because I'm back in lovely Cincinnati for the season because that's where PFF's headquarters are. So hopefully the echo isn't too bad for you and uh, the rest of the listeners if you guys notice an audio change for me. No, and if you're watching on YouTube, Trevor's got his old kitchen background flowing. We are officially back, boys. I mean, <laughs> look at this right now. We are going back to three shows a week starting next week. Um, obviously, when we get there, everybody will get familiar with our format because they will be a little bit more formatted than us just bouncing around with a lot of fun stuff in the summer. But, man, it's a good time. because it, There's no better time than to do a mailbag now. It's been a while. Um, when the season starts, it just feels like a thousand different things head in our direction, especially since you and I dive into both NFL, college, draft, rookie analysis. So this is the right time for a mailbag show. Our schedules are going to get so crazy that at some point, I'm just going to have to like leave and just like start cooking food or something. Yeah, behind. when I'm like on a long rant. You're or... just going to, yeah, the second I hear you like go off on the Jets or something, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to go stove. Check the stove, quick. <laughs> I'm just going to go microwave some food or something. So this is good. This is great. The setting is great for me because it's right there. And uh, I'll let you get your takes off. And I've considered bad. putting a mini fridge up here. You don't have so, one? Not up here, no. I'll be comp- I'll be completely honest with you. Since the pandemic, and I won't I won't disclose it because I'm embarrassed. My electric bill in this new new apartment. <laughs> I have a beer fridge downstairs in the kitchen, like separate from the real fridge. Wow. If I add a third fridge to this apartment, I think my girlfriend will kill me, <laughs> and I think PSEG will kill me as well. No, they love you. That's you're true. Them, you're making them rich. No, there's a couple times they've emailed me and be like, see how you can become more energy efficient compared to <laughs> the houses in your neighborhood. And they send me charts, and they're like, this is what you're terrible at. And I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. I work from home a lot, now less. I haven't been going two places the last couple of weeks. But yeah, dude, I don't think it's happening, unfortunately. I'll do the cooler method. I will fill a cooler with ice and put it under this desk. At some point, they're going to get less and less polite with the emails. Yeah, be hey, like, asshole, yeah. stop using so much energy. <laughs> You're gonna be like, listen up, like, pal. nicely for months. You're actually killing the planet. Yeah. You see, like the Bur- the Bernie Sanders memes, where it's like, I am no longer asking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh 
power company to your bill. It's so true. I so I funny story. I actually answered. They had to check the meter today for the first time, and who knows how long. First time mm. since I've lived here. And when I answered the door, I like, I could sense the disappointment on their face when they left. They're just like, oh, this guy. So yeah, here we are. Well, cooler and ice. Well, let's. We, uh, we're at least keeping the laptop and the microphones and the cameras on to make sure. Better call Saul style. Cooler and ice. That, look, that's fine. <laughs> However, you need to get it done. Which look, that's that's not the only time that we're going to be talking about uh, chilled drinks here on this podcast because I know one of the questions specifically. Oh we, yeah, we'll be asking you if you have that cooler upstairs. What's going to be in it? But before we jump into the mailbag questions, which guys, obviously, there's plenty of, of football questions as well. That's actually where we're starting on the podcast. Got to do everybody's favorite ad read. This is the Manscaped ad. Our friends at Manscaped, they're talking to all the gentlemen out there. All men strive for gold in their life, right? That is the standard. You got gold medals, gold watches, gold everything. That's what we're all chasing for. However, there is a certain type of man who goes that extra mile, who walks in the confidence of an eagle, who giggles in the face of danger. He is a big, hairless, winning machine. And when he unzips his pants, he sees that. No. He sees platinum. We're going next level here. That's right. Manscaped would like to introduce to you their best and biggest ultimate hygiene bundle yet. The Platinum Package 4.0. Manscaped is the leader in below-the-waist grooming. Now you can trust him with the whole shebang. Join the 4 million men worldwide. You trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com. Using the promo code NFLSE to get 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped's brand new Platinum Package 4.0. It's the biggest bundle they have ever given you for a bulk discount on Manscaped top products. 20% off and free shipping using that promo code NFLSE. Sign that you enjoy the finer things in life by getting yourself a Platinum Package for your Platinum Package. Also just wanted to shout out, since we're doing the ad reads at the beginning of the show, PFF have us an app now. That is right. If you are an Apple user, you can go to the App Store and get a PFF app. We're going to have everything possible on there and if you love what you see early on it is only going to be better the whole app is unlocked and free for everybody to use before the season starts so this is a great time to download it get all the pre a lot of the premium features that you could see on the app right now just go to the app store download it um pro football focus pff you'll be able to find it very very easily connor are you ready to get into some of these questions yeah let's rock we got a lot to get through today and a good a really good mix of fun and football just to make everybody happy this one's uh this one's kind of the obvious one the one that i figured that we get but i figured that we would stop start the show with it because it's topical patch chamberlain asked this one simply put what players being cut this week surprised you the most Oh man, it's a couple of, I thought the veteran safety market looked pretty good. Um, Tony Jefferson got cut by the Ravens. Yeah. You know, he's obviously a, a really nice player and, and can handle a lot of different roles, uh, not just on for a base defense, but I think he's a guy that could still play specials if you needed to be a third safety, a flex safety. Um, Anthony Harris was another one, which isn't surprising when you factor in the trade for the Eagles. Huge trade getting Chauncey Gardner-Johnson for a day three pick swap because he wants to get paid. So that's the Eagles are a very exciting team to watch in terms of roster management this year, how he's been really active. So those were two that really jumped out to me. Uh, Philip Lindsay from the Colts, I thought was one that I still think he's got something in the tank as a third running back. So it was, yeah, I think he'll find a home somewhere. And a couple of waiver transactions have actually just come in as we started the show. So we'll see some of those guys find new homes. What right. about you? Yeah, I mean, Tony Jefferson's, Tony Jefferson's not even that old. And I know he he played really well when he was in Arizona. He got a big payday when he was in Baltimore. And Baltimore's safety room is pretty stacked, especially with drafting Kyle Hamilton as early as they did in the first round. It's not like they were going <laughs> to 
let there be any kind of excuse for him to not hit the field. If he's ready to hit the field, they're going to, they're going to uh, let Kyle Hamilton out there. So I get it, but I am kind of surprised that, that Tony Jefferson was on the chopping block because Baltimore is one of those teams that were, they're trying to create the best roster possible. This is a playoff team, a team that's got division title aspirations. And this team was also extremely beat up in the secondary last year. Yeah. Right? They were. So, I, I, maybe it's something that if Tony Jefferson goes, uh, you know, on sign, he's kind of sitting around a little bit waiting to sign with a contender because he's a veteran. Maybe he ends up going back to Baltimore if anything like that were to happen. We'll see. I mean, he said there were no hard feelings when he tweeted about it um, the other day. OJ Howard, man. Oh, man. Good one. Because he got a decent deal. Like a no, not a bet minimum. Uh, what is it? Like 3.5? And he was one year, like $3.5 million. They're paying him basically that entire salary for him to not be. Yeah, at least team. two mil. I, all it was was like, wow, how bad was he that they just couldn't even be a third tight end? Do you remember where you had OJ Howard ranked? In I the don't. Eagles I have 20... to look. If I. Oh. No, no, no. When was I mean, that? certainly what? too high considering how things have gone. That's all I could say right off the top of my head. What I gotta find was, that. Was that 2017? It was 2017. God, it was a long time so ago. He went, so he went 19th overall. He went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at, at yep. number 19. And when you remember that draft class, that was a draft class that had David Joku, it had Evan Ingram in it, and had OJ Howard in it. I think I had, and people people ask us this question all the time. They talk about like, hey, who are you, some of your draft misses? Who are the guys that you learned from? I had OJ Howard as I think my fourth overall player that year. When Tampa got him at 19, oh, you're probably I understand. I, well, yeah, 100%. I yeah. understood it because I was like, okay, it's a tight end. Like, it's not necessarily a major premium position. But I thought to myself, I was like, you already have such a high floor in O.J. Howard because of how great he was as a blocker coming out of Alabama. And then you had the couple of games where they leaned on him in the passing game where he would just get these giant chunk plays because he was an unreal alien athlete for the tight end. Well, I can't even say that anymore because Kyle Pitts exists. So I can't even yeah. exactly say that to phrase. But O.J. Howard, for as big, as athletic, as strong as he was, I thought this was just going to be the Bucks tight end for I'm next year. You know? And I thought that he was you. so, so talented. Not only could he not cut it on the Bucks, I get it. He was hurt. But that was a two tight end system. It was very friendly to get him in the game all the time. It's not like he ever really dominated in a single season, even when he was healthy. So even bouncing around the injuries, he just was not what I thought he was going to be. And for him to get cut in Buffalo, that's, that is, that's, I'm raising my hand. Scouting miss, man. He just, he could, he could not, he could not put it together. I did not weigh enough how little Alabama used him in the passing game yeah. and the reasons why that would be. So OJ Howard was a big shock to me We're too. Were you at the Senior Bowl that year in 2017? Yes. yes. Uh, man, that was not my first Senior Bowl, but definitely early in when I had started going to the event. That I was, that was my, I think that was my first Senior Bowl. I think it was my second or third, probably second, 2017. Yeah. And, I mean, dude, like, that was a classic case. And this happens at the Senior Bowl. I'll admit this. For all the great things it does, there's also a lot of guys that blow up. And Howard was obviously a well-known player, but when he went to the Senior Bowl – that was when that talk started. How are they not throwing to this guy more? He's right. unguardable out here right. because he's too big. He runs well. He's big enough frame that he's going to be an effective blocker. And yeah, like you said, unfortunately, it just hasn't worked out. And that, that's a really good call. That was that was a big surprise it, to not stick as the uh, at least third tight end on that team. So by the time that this podcast comes out, Alex Leatherwood may have a new home. Oh, good Lord. But dude that run of draft picks 
from 2019 to 2021 for Mike Mayock and John Gruden? I have a take on that situation. Go off, King. Go off. I, and maybe I'm wrong here, but from just people I've talked to over the years and, and a couple of things, heavily falls on Gruden and Mayock is this... I feel bad is what I'm trying to say. Mm. I think this tarnishes Mayock's reputation really on social media. I don't think anybody in the NFL looks differently at him, but on social media and draft fans, when I know for a fact from knowing people there during that regime, that there was times where Gruden just had to have a guy. There was too many times where Gruden had to have a guy. And they had a lot of really good day three picks during that regime. Max Crosby comes to mind that I don't want to say like, oh, Mike Mayock had all the good picks, Gruden had all the bad picks. But I really do think that this falls on John Gruden, who had full control there, and Mike Mayock is the ultimate fall guy. Well, I think that, you know, you're you're, you're not alone in that thinking. I, I don't want to say like it's well accepted around the league, but there's a lot of people who at least believe that the early round picks were Gruden. Like Gruden was making the first, second, third round picks. Like he was basically top 100 picks. Gruden had, at least this is kind of the vibe that I get from the things that I have heard from people a lot closer to the situation than me. It feels as though the early picks were Gruden and Mayock really took control of that day three. And when you look at it, that three-year stretch, only good players we got left basically for the Raiders. Max Crosby, uh, Nate Hobbs. Yeah, Nate Hunter, Hobbs. Hunter Hunter Renfro. Yep, those are all fourth, fifth round picks. Like those are though. If 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 what we are being told is actually true, and like that's the May, those are the Mayock rounds. Those are the only hits that actually happened because, brother, 2019, Cleveland Farrell, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Abram. They had three oh, first Lord. round picks. Three. Missed on all three. Missed on all three. They already traded Trayvon Mullen who was the second-round pick that year, and then it was Max Crosby, Isaiah Johnson, Foster Moreau, and Hunter Renfro. Next year, Henry Ruggs, gone. Damon Arnett, gone. Lynn Bowden, traded immediately. Brian Edwards, gone. Tanner Muse was Tanner, super early. Tanner Muse, who was 91 spots ahead of where he was on the consensus draft board from the athletic. I, I, 91! I, Trevor, I didn't, have, I didn't have him that year. On my, I think I, I didn't do 315 like I did last that year. I think I got up to 205, didn't have him on the board. When they took him, I was like, what, what for what? You're drafting what you think is a special team's ace in the, what, the third round? It was, it was wild, dude. Wild. Our net pick to me is the, is somehow still the most unforgivable one, way more than Leatherwood. It's crazy, man. Our net pick was insane. And then the next pick, Alex Leatherwood in the first round, who was a second round yep. hybrid tackle guard prospect who they drafted in the middle of the first round to play offensive tackle for them, which was just like, that's, that's on them. That's on them. If you, if, if you looked at Alex Leatherwood, who I still think is a talented player, me but too. Like where he got drafted the expectations were just way too high. It was just way too high on him. And and I, Alex Leatherwood in the middle of the first round, Trayvon Merrick, who I really liked, who was my top safety that year. Okay, in the second round. All right, he's been fine. I mean, it's not like he's been majorly impactful, but he's been fine. Yeah, he's Malcolm, a nice player. Malcolm Kuntz, overdrafted. Divine Diablo, overdrafted. Kyrie Gillespie, Nate Hobbs, and then Jimmy Morrissey. Those are Mayock's three drafts, man. It's just... It's one of the worst stretches of draft picks we're ever going to see. 
ever going to see. It's jarring. I mean, I've obviously intensely covered the Mike McCagnan drafts, and those weren't even as bad as this. And that's I never thought I would see something like this. Uh, other other guys who got cut, who I'll mention before we move on to the next one, McTelvin Aguim, the third-round defensive yep. tackle from 2019 from the Broncos. Very surprised they released him. I get it. He wasn't exactly what they thought that he would be. He didn't develop yet, but I thought he had a really nice preseason, New especially staff. towards the end. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's probably what you got to chalk it, it up happens to. happens a lot. Wasn't the staff that drafted him. So, him, happens Mar a lot. Marlon Mack, which makes me sad. I mean – I know, me too, man. When Mac got hurt, it it just seems like he's not the same guy now. Which maybe one of the nicest people in the NFL. Where oh. I, I I had we had him on at Radio Row in Miami a couple of years ago. And oh yeah, yeah. And it's just you just feel awful a guy like that that is so like quiet and humble and seemed to have good intentions. And it's just the injury has set him back after looking so promising. Well, I think he'll catch on somewhere, at least a practice squad. But... I think so, too. But I thought Marlon Mack had a chance to be like a starting running back, even for a short oh, period of time. Dude, I thought absolutely. That he could be a starting running back. But absolutely. It's, it's, it's word to the wise for everybody out there. Skill position players, really everybody, but especially skill position players. Uh, when you tear your Achilles, it's tough. If you're a corner, if you're a running back, if you're a wide receiver, if you tear your Achilles, that's tough, man. That's really tough to come back from. So yeah. uh, super bummed out for Marlon. Hope he obviously lands somewhere else. And then the uh, the last one, what was the last one? Oh, wasn't wasn't a cut, but brother, how did the Philadelphia Eagles get Chauncey Garner Johnson for that yeah. price? What? This is one of the best slot defenders in the league. I know. This is one of, this is one of the most feared, annoying defenders. God, very annoying. In the NFL, and I like yeah. just it's it. Howie Roseman salute emoji my guy like that for you to get Trade this God. player for that price yeah man Howie's amazing love it Howie's starting to get into the well I'll give Howie credit for this Howie has found a really good job to accumulate more picks from pick swapping but mm -hmm. Howie, with that extra capital is is starting to dip his toes in the Rams water of like I will trade picks for proven vets at any moment and I and respect how, it but he's doing it in, in I, I, I like the part that you right? efficiently yeah. is the word yeah. that I would use because the Rams, they're not really wheeling and dealing. To they try just don't draft. They don't draft. Right. They just don't draft. Howie's out here wheeling and dealing, moving up and down, getting a bunch of picks. And from the Saints. <laughs> right. Right. Because what, what it, didn't they just pick up a draft pick already for JJ Ortega Whiteside in the Ugo Amati trade? Yeah, I, I believe so, and I'm thinking of just the pick swapping heist that they pulled off right. this year. But but even, I think the price that they paid, unless I'm, I'm completely misremembering it, you might be able to fact check me on this one. I think for Chauncey Garner Johnson, it was a fifth and a seventh swap, fifth round pick in next year's draft. It was a seventh round pick in the year after draft, and then didn't like Philly get one pick back like in three years or something crazy or whatever. I but all that to some kind of. But all that to say, they had already swapping. picked up an extra an extra draft pick when they traded off JJ Ortega Whiteside, I believe. So yeah. I, he was um, he's pretty close job. to free, honestly. How he's doing a great job. He's doing he is. well. We'll get to characteristics of GMs because that's actually another question that I want to get to. But uh, we'll move on. We, we got Johnny's question up next. I just got him in order here. Uh, Johnny asked this one: What is the best uniform currently in the NFL? Could be one of the new retros if that's the way you're leaning. Oh, man. A lot of contenders here. Um, I, I mean, not, of course, we got to get it off the top. The Chargers powder blues are always pretty Number iconic. One. Number one. 
I really like the Ravens all black uniforms. In this yep. era of everybody having an all black uniform, I think the Ravens are like top class in a sense of mastering it. There's just something about the purple trim and their logo pairing perfectly. And I think they nailed the number font. Yep. Uh, I love the Ravens black uniforms. It also helps that they have one of the coolest players in the NFL wearing it in Lamar Jackson. That mm-hmm. kind of factors in as well. It does. it does. It does. I'll do one more before I throw to you. Two throwbacks I really like. Love the Eagles throwbacks and love the Giants throwbacks that are arriving this year. They're the old Giants uniforms. They're bringing them back this year. Um, they look they're awesome. It should be the Giants regular uniforms. Personally, it has much more character than their modern uniforms. So I'm glad to see those returning back with a much better helmet as well. Are you talking about the uh, the Kelly Greens? For the Eagles? For the Eagles. So I, they don't wear this one. I like the white better. Jalen Hurts has worn it as a press conference, but I also am a sucker oh, for the Kelly Green. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I know which I know. Which, no, those are clean. Those are pretty clean, too. You know, speaking of clean, I like the Vikings when they do the all purple. Yeah, it's a good Just, it's a good all purple. The all purple look I like a lot. Uh in the same in the same vein, I like the Bengals all white, especially with the with the white helmet. Just That's the all white uniform that that yeah, it rocks. It's it's awesome. It's gonna be beautiful. And then any Bucks fan listening to this is gonna hate me for it, but I'm sorry. The Saints, all blacks. Great uniforms. With the with the gold helmet and when they're when they're wearing the gold shoes. It's Ooh, one more. It's intimidating. I, and this is like a little bit of a polarizing one because I know some people hate it. I think it's one of the best that's released lately. I really like the Packers uh, alternate throwback that they wore for the first time last year. It's it's green and the numbers yellow. The stripes, the two stripes in the Nike sign on the side are yellow. Oh, what? The color rush? Is, is it a color the- rush? I know they're wearing them this year again. I think it's a color rush. They have rush. green pants. I, I love it. It looks very... Uh, North Dakota State meets the NFL in a good way. Like, yeah. not college like, yes. trashy. This is, I, I think. I really like this uniform. You know what? I feel like Color Rush got... Oh, yeah. It this slaps, dude. I don't love green and yellow just oh, objectively as colors together. But I don't hate this. Yeah, it's nice. I don't hate this. I don't hate it. Um, London Dynasty, number one, of course. Of course, yes, of course. Shout out to Spot. I don't know if this is a hot take, but I loved a lot of the color rush uniforms. I feel like I, I, a lot of people hated on them on social media. It was done right for what they are. They are a like we wear these once to be very. To, they pop. They're called color rush. They're supposed to pop. This this goes back to like the argument I have all the time about the city connect jerseys Nike's releasing for MLB. Started mm-hmm. last year. It's a three year project. They'll finish it next year. People are like, I don't like how different these are. The point is, they're supposed to be extremely like eccentric, popping out and have a connection. Like they're supposed to, the City Connect connects to the city. There's something different from the team's traditional point colors. Like Boston did the Boston the Marathon things. The Marlins did the, uh, like the very Cuban centric uniforms. Like mm-hmm. the NFL wanted to do something different and they did. If the people that don't like these things just don't like the change, that's it. That's why they don't like them. For the most part, people I get don't it, like change, but, but I don't I, agree with I, it. I do like change. I like change. Is I like change. change. Is good. I like change. Change is good when it's better. There you go. Yes. Paul asks this next one: uh, Better fantasy football running back for 2022, Damian Pierce, Houston, or Brees Hall in New York? I'll let you take the floor for this one because it involves your uh, New York Jets. I think out of the gate, it's Pierce. I think 
if Michael Carter gets banged up again, it's going to be Hall for the long term. Uh, the Jets really like Brees Hall, and he's going to have – he's going to – they cut Tevin Coleman, which who's going to eat into those guys' carries a little bit mm-hmm. here and there. Now, Pierce, to argue, there's nobody on that roster that scares you at all. Right, right. At some point, Davis Mills is going to have to throw the ball down the field, or else Damian Pierce nah. is going to be seeing a lot of defenders in his face. So it's very tricky. I think Pierce has – the more hype out of the season gate, I like Hall's long-term outlook better. It's kind of a hedge of an answer, so you, but it's so the truth. So you'd say, like, Dynasty, you'd go Brees Hall. But yeah, like Dynasty, if, I'd go Brees Hall. Redraft, I'd go Pierce. I, go. I mean, I'm going I'm going Damian Pierce no matter what. Um, I'm well, gonna, that yes. doesn't surprise me. So I'm, I'm going to be going with Damian Pierce no matter what. It, you know, Gator, great. He's in the better situation, meaning that there's – nothing in front of him. And volume is king when it comes to fantasy football. So, But look, is their line going to be effective? Better situation. That's what That's I think. True. That's true. That's true. Wow. Hold on. Are, are we out here? Are you out here championing, championing the New York Jets offensive line already? Compared to Houston? At least they have Lakin Tomlinson and AVT at guard. I mean, Kenyon Green looked good when he finally played, but he's not even set to start. I hate when you make me put my Homer hat on. The Texans' <laughs> line is terrible. Terrible. <laughs> I love making you do that. I love making oh, you put the Homer Gross. Hat. Two awful teams. <laughs> All right, this next one's from Tony. Tony Lee, if you could go back and attend any college football game ever and see it live, which game would you choose? Doesn't have to be a championship game. He said any game at all in college football history. USC, Texas, the Vince Young game. I think that's the that's the obvious easy answer. There. Yeah, I just yeah. remember watching it on, on, the t- on TV as a kid, and it was probably pretty late. I was like, just I just mesmerized. It was... One of those moments when you're young that you truly fall in love with college football. Dude, and, and it had everything, right? I mean, like, everything. it had all the stars. stars. It had, stars. like, the, the, the best players were healthy playing in the game, and it just came it meant, down to the... It felt like it meant so much. Yes, yes. And I don't... I hate to say this. I don't owe... It's just because we're older. I don't, I don't think it feels that way as all the time anymore. That felt like, it just felt like it meant so much. So, so, okay, along those same lines, I wrote down a couple of games. Okay. Because that, obviously, the 2006 Rose Bowl between USC and Texas is the one that comes to my mind as well. I think that that's, again, the obvious answer. But if you're not going with that one, Miami, Ohio State in 2002, okay, seeing all of those NFL players play for a national championship and then the play at the very end of was it pass interference, was it not pass interference? I think that that was monumental, but again, that was kind of almost two. De- what, what, what? It was two decades ago now. The other one that I would pick is Alabama, Ohio State in the College Fall Playoff when Ohio State won the national championship, beating Alabama. The Ezekiel Elliott, what? I, what is the phrase? The run straight through the South or something? Whatever it is. I, like, yeah, I forget it. Too, down the heart of the South, but it's like that Ohio State team, unbelievably stacked beating Alabama. And now that we look back on it, they beat Alabama in the middle of what is the greatest college football dynasty of all time. Yeah, it was pretty pretty shocking. And I think sense. that like that game also holds a ton of significance just to see that happen and all of those NFL players playing in that game. That would be such a cool game to to go back and watch. Uh, the other one that I would throw out there that wasn't a championship game LSU versus Texas A&M, the seven overtime game that ended oh like God. 74 to 72. One of the craziest games I've ever watched on TV, but uh, that one was that I'd love to go see that game too, just because it was back and forth. I would also 
love to go see a game in like 1942. Oh, but just like, to see what football like, was like? like. Like Notre Dame versus USC. Yeah, Paul like Harding. No, like Notre Dame versus versus uh, versus Michigan or something. No, and no I doubt. Ju- I just want to see what football was like at that point. I want to be sitting in the stands, and I would love to see like what a throwback game would be. So that's my oh, answer. That man, freaking. Okay, so two for me um, would be the kick six game. Ooh, just kick, for that moment. Kick just six. Just for that moment. Kick six has to be like you're in the stadium and you're like, oh, my God. I cannot believe that just happened. And then uh, the play, Cal Stanford, the band is on the field. Yeah. That just – I, I could watch that a million times and find something new. It's like it's like Where's Waldo with the Easter eggs. <laughs> There's so much going on. Would you so much so, going on? Hold on. Uh, 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 detail here is: Are you going back in time, knowing what's about to happen, or are you going back in time and you're like you're you're somehow putting yourself in the stands, getting to experience everything that's about to happen for the first time? Because I think that matters too. It does. I mean, it could go either way because there's part of me that if I know, I would like to like joke with the people around me in the crowd. Oh, I'm not joking. I'm taking bets. Well, there's I'm, no I'm, betting. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually. Unless you're mob related. Uh, well, 100% I am. There's I'm, no, no Fanduel on the iPhone I'm, and DraftKings. I am taking <laughs> people's money in the stands and then somehow disappearing. The angel's going to bring me back to my present time, but I get to keep the cash in my pocket. You called DraftKings from a payphone. Uh, hello, Auburn <laughs> is plus <laughs> 600 on the money line right now. Can you please lay my bank account on this? Because I swear something crazy is about to happen. My heart. I just have a hunch. And then, oh, you know, and then, I get, then I get like arrested by the FBI or something and they bring yes. me in for interrogation and they're like, how did you know this? And I'm like, yes. well, I'm from the future. And they're like, no, no, no. How did you really know? And then they I make you disappear you. and that's yeah. that. And then they probably kill me actually. Yeah. yeah you'd, you'd be disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think that through all the way, I guess. It's probably not worth the going, not, not knowing, <laughs> going, not knowing, celebrate with everybody or it's cry the- with everyone story of this podcast story of this podcast uh we want you guys to get ready for nfl week one with DraftKings sportsbook speaking of betting uh, an official betting sponsor of the nfl if you bet just five dollars on any football game could be the kick six if you already know the ending you get 200 free dollars in bets instantly now everyone can also experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion if you get up seven you win that's it you bet on any team in the nfl of your choice and if they get up by seven points at any point during the game you get paid instantly even if your team loses in the end which is crazy uh DraftKings is a safe secure and reliable best of all you can deposit and withdraw cash whenever you want download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use the promo code pff and get that 200 free dollars in bets instantly when you place a five dollar bet on any football game it's pff as the code only a DraftKings sportsbook 21 or older in most eligible states but age varies by jurisdiction eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for terms and resources, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call the text or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. In New York, call 8778-HOPNY, H-O-P-E-N-Y, or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. One per, one per new customer, minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 are issued in 825 free bets. All right, next question. As the fan, this one's from Dan. And I assume his name is just Dan, but he writes just Dan, 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 Dan,
perpetually rebuilding team, the Detroit Lions. My question is, what types of moves and strategies do you guys see in rebuilding front offices that make you think they're going to be successful or a failure in the long term? What about, uh, I think this is a great question. I love this question because this is, a, is it, it, this is a draft pro- podcast, obviously. So we talk a lot about how we can see teams being better. We talk about what we would do if we were in the GM seat, but Connor, what are some characteristics or some signs of good front office men'ship or good GMs in the in the NFL? Clear the money, the bad money, which might take you a year or two, or if you're Joe Shane working for the Giants, God knows how long, thanks to Dave Gettleman. Um, so clear the bad money. Yeah. See if you can move some of that money for low-end draft capital in return for a team that might still value the player or just find a way to get out of the contract. Sure. Um, move the talent that is not in your rebuild window for as much draft capital as you can. Yep. I mean, Homer example, but... Joe Douglas knew that the Jets weren't going to win in Jamal Adams' young, young prime, and safety was not a very important position to him, and Seattle gave him two first-round picks and a third. So, and that's an extreme example. I am well aware of that, but that is the uh, example of, listen, we're probably not going to win with this guy. Why are we going to pay him as the most expensive safety in the NFL? Our new head coach that, you know, his defensive system isn't relied on this type of safety. So that's a, a big, and honestly, the best draft advice I can give is, you know, don't try to fix things in one day by swinging for the fences on every single pick. Sometimes you just need it, to put it in a recruiting thing, like the, the really solid four star that might not have the athletic ceiling or mm-hmm. the developmental ceiling of this five star player, but a guy that you know is going to be your left guard for the next five years, a guy that you know can be your number two corner, a guy that... You know, things like that, Trevor, where it's it's build some kind of foundation in the ground. And then the toughest part is you're going to need a little luck with the quarterback position, whether sure. it's your draft slot, the quarterback class, and all those things. But position your team as best you can for when that quarterback does come in the building, that they have some successful pieces around them. Yeah, you know, to what you said, I, I actually totally agree. You don't want to hit the panic button and, and start picking players and start trading money. Um as if you've got to win right away or as if you've, no. got, you've got to fix everything right away. And, you know, I look at the Chicago Bears and what Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are doing, and, and they were, you know, they were in the crosshairs of a lot of criticism this offseason when they drafted players. But, you know, objectively, when you look at their draft, it's like, all right, I I like Kyler Gordon. Like, I, I like Jaquan Brisker. Like, these, yeah. are, these are good players. Like, these are, these are guys who are going to make the Chicago Bears better. But everybody, myself included, was like, man, no O-line, O-line's not going to be good, no weapons for Justin Fields. And so sometimes it is. It's about kind of taking some bad press, if you will, maybe sticking to your guns and, and and doing what you think needs to be done. When I thought about this question, there's a handful of characteristics that I thought about from a general manager that I think are in th- – these are characteristics that exist in all of the best general managers in the NFL. First one, being brutally honest with your strengths and weaknesses. There's a lot of yeah. different GMs in the NFL. There's some guys that came up through the scouting department. There's some guys who came up through the analytics department. There's some guys who came up from the salary cap management. There are all sorts of ways to become a GM. There's not a one-stop shop. There's not this one blueprint that you have to follow. You've got to be brutally honest with what you know really well, personally, what you know really well, and also, and maybe even more importantly, what you don't. Because I also think another characteristic is – you've got to hire a great supporting cast around you in your front office 
and you've got to let them do their job. I think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Jason Light, the general manager there, has done a really great job of this. Jason came up through the scouting tree. So he came up through that area of, of expertise and he loves that scouting side of things. He loves the football guy scouting part of it. He hired Mike Greenberg very early on to be their cap guru, their cap guy. And he has let Mike Greenberg do his magic. And Mike Greenberg has been unbelievable at contract negotiations and keeping that team under the salary cap, being able to go after players when they think it's necessary for them, uh, having team-friendly deals while also making sure that the players are happy being there. He, Jason understood this is an area of expertise where I need to hire somebody and just let them do that and then trust them to do that job. Work your ass off throughout the hiring process, find the right guy to do the job, and then let them do the job. And there's a lot of people in management, not just in football, but everywhere in every industry that struggle with that because they want to have their hands in everything. They don't trust other people. You know, we, th we think about, you know, as a negative example, I think about like when the stories of Dan Snyder coming in on draft day for the Washington football team and just drafting Dwayne Haskins because he wanted Dwayne Haskins. Like the, he just didn't even talk to the coaching staff, didn't talk to the scouting staff. Don't care. I'm coming in. Don't care that I pay you guys hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars collectively to do this and to create this draft board. I'm going to walk in and we're going to draft Dwayne Haskins. And I think about Jerry Jones with Dallas Cowboys. Now that doesn't mean that every pick has been bad for the Dallas Cowboys, but Jerry Jones comes in and he picks who he wants to pick, right? I mean, that's yep. who, that's, that's who, how, it how it is. And I just don't think that that's a very uh, susceptible way to be a good football in a championship team. Another characteristic I have is I got two more. You got to be able to admit, admit mistakes. You've got to be able to admit, Don't hold admit on to players too long. You yep. can't hold on to players too long, whether it's free agent signings, whether it's guys that you thought would start, whether it's draft picks that you drafted early that you took a chance on. You have to be able to admit mistakes. You've got to be able to hear criticism, understand and digest the criticism that is worth digesting evolve from it and move on from your mistakes. That is how you create a good football team because uh, look, man, the draft ain't perfect for anybody. Even the best drafters out there, they have misses, but they it's, it's the ones that handle their misses the right way, learn from them and are able to move on that I think stick around. And then uh, the last one I have is uh, you, you can't stick your head in the sand, you know, whether it's like analytics or, the way you used to do scouting or like how the cap used to be yeah. or like whatever it is. If there is somebody out there in the league, because so much stuff is public now about how teams operate. If there's somebody who is out there doing something really, really well, and it's working and it's revolutionizing what they do, learn from it, digest it, see if it works for you. And if it doesn't, that's okay. But don't stick your head in the sand about it. Don't be like, nah, we're not, we're not bringing analytics into this building. We're doing things the old school way. It's just not, it's just not a way to survive. It's not a way to adapt. So those are a handful of qualities that I think truly make the best general managers. And I think if they have those qualities and they put those into practice, that's what makes uh, rebuilding successful for some teams and, and failures for others. Nailed it. I couldn't agree more. And I think that it's, it's tough. Like you don't see a ton of jams, honestly. And that's why so many guys that don't last too long. It's a hard job to fulfill um have all of those qualities there's always some kind of you're right the, the best ones have the people around them that could supplement their weaknesses that's the best way to put it yep uh andrew asked this next one i, I like this question it's a little bit of a non-football question 
first of all, what house does your co-host belong to in Game of Thrones and or Harry Potter? And then he wants a uh, a college football week one lock. Wow. Okay. Well, Harry Potter for you is very easy. You are a Gryffindor to a T. And I don't I... throw around Harry Potter compliments. Uh, I've so what? <laughs> this is kind of funny. Uh, one time I said to one of my best friends, uh, his girlfriend that she was a Hufflepuff and like, she will not forgive me to this day. So <laughs> I take this, <laughs> and I was like, not like being a jerk. I was just like trying to talk about the good qualities. Uh, you are Gryffindor. So house Gryffindor, the traits are courage, bravery, determination, daring, nerve, and chivalry. Wow. I feel like I yeah, it's, it's a big compliment. I'm I'm not just saying this because you're my co-host. You wow, really I'm blushing. you uh you are absolutely every bit of a of a Gryffindor. I think you have good intentions. I think you uh you definitely fight the good fight against evil. I I don't see any other house that fits you. So Game of Thrones, I'm, I will get in a little in the weeds after you go. So I'm I'm gonna be honest here. I haven't even finished Harry Potter. That's okay. Dude, Harry, it's been a long time for me. Harry I'm not Potter, really a huge Harry, Harry Potter fan. Harry Potter is my fiance's like favorite show growing up. She read all the books immediately. Yep. And uh we just went through all the movies and I'm actually on the last movie. I, I'm on Deathly Hollows part two. So I, I mean so you know enough about the houses. That's the same for me. Like I have a little bit, a little bit, but like I don't know in like I know I you wouldn't be a Hufflepuff. And no. you're not you're not I'm not Gryffindor though. You're, you're not evil enough to be Slytherin, eh. right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think do I'm think like you're inherently... evil? No, 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 no. But I do, right, like, you think you're evil, I do like being a heel, like in terms of like wrestling. Like I definitely lean that way. So it could it's Slytherin though is like truly evil. I'm not truly evil. Right. That's why like I don't I don't know enough about the houses. So okay, what's the Game of Thrones one? Let's move on to Game of Thrones one. Because I Game of Thrones to... is tough. I don't know where to. I, don't, I wouldn't know where to place you in a Harry Potter one. I haven't. So seen this that. I know more about than Harry Potter. I'm just more of a Game of Thrones fan. Um, I've. I think I've gotten a. I've got down to two for you, and they're not like the same houses that are primarily featured in either Thrones or House of the Dragon, which is like mm -hmm. Starks, Targaryens, Lannisters. I think you're kind of a mix between uh, House Mormont, which is oh. House Mormont is. Uh, like you got you got the beard and the long hair now they're a northern oh, island they're sure. a very secluded castle sure uh they have a, a great weapon that's their calling card their family they do have one of the valyrian steel swords they i think do. that they always they're generally in the older times before the end of game of thrones and even at the end of game of thrones they are the house that sticks by the north side to fight like they call them to their arms they're not like this illustrious rich house like the Tyrells or the Lannisters or something like that. You're more of like the, hey, we're doing our thing over here. We're very loyal. Um, yeah, so I think I think Mormont's a, a deep cut for you. I actually I actually don't hate that. I, yeah. I did not they even They have a great I, sigil. Have you seen their have you seen their arm? Their uh their banner? Oh, wait, it's like a bear. Yeah, it's a bear. It's, it's like very a, cool. Because they live on Bear Island. That's their mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, okay. yeah. Okay. You're a more. You're a, we'll go with a Mormont for you. I wasn't sure which one that you would be because I like you're. You wouldn't be. You would. You're not a Targaryen. You're not a Lannister. You're sort of. You're sort of a Stark. Okay. I I, I think that's where I would lean the most because then it's like all right. I don't. I probably wouldn't put you in high, House Tyrell. 
unless you hunt a lot more than I think you do, no, no, I don't. You're not, then you're not going to be a Baratheon. So I don't. But the stag. <laughs> so I, I really like the Stark because a uh, a Loki dream of mine that when I get out of the city that will happen. I want like a pack of shepherds. You can't really have wolves. All or right, wolf, then you're you're pups. definitely House Stark. I want like three shepherds that I don't have to leash. They just walk behind me, very yeah. well trained. I spend. Every waking hour I have when I'm not talking about sports, training these shepherds, then that's you're, what yes, you're absolutely. I hope Stark. I get my way. That's what it would characteristically. I felt like House Stark was the one that was closest to you. If I had to box you into another one, it might be House Martell, um, because like it, you, Greyjoy wouldn't work, Bolton wouldn't work, Tully wouldn't work, Frey Bolton's wouldn't work. Really evil, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't say House Aaron. Yeah, they're kind of weird. Right? I don't know. I don't know enough about House Tarly. Yeah, we didn't really see a lot of them. Besides so I think Sam Kane was like exiled from them. I think you're a. I think you're a. No, no, no. That's Tully. There's two different ones. Tully is Sam's. No, no, no. Sam's a Tarly. Tully is uh, Ned's wife, Catelyn. Oh, you are right. You are right. You yeah. Are right. What was Brienne? Uh, Tarth. Tar Tarth. Yeah, we don't see much of them besides her. Okay. All right. Well. You're Stark. Congratulations. Uh, wow. Big compliments here on You're the question. <laughs> Do you have a CFB lock? Because I didn't love week one when I went no, through it No, I actually don't love week one, but my lock is Utah State getting 41 and a half against Alabama. Nice. That's a For, good one. That's 41 a and a half? It, because, yeah. like, Utah State's not, like, the shittiest college football team of all time. No, which no, no. We see Alabama play early on in the season. And normally, if teams are getting 40-plus against Alabama, they're – Let's they're like D three teams. Utah State's an actual football that's pretty program, disrespectful. Here, and they're getting forty one and a half. So I'm gonna go with. I think that's my lock. There was one team I thought was getting. Oh, the one. Okay, so this is the one I've been keeping an eye on. Mm -hmm. Subject to change. I know BYU opens up against South Florida on the road, and I last I looked, it's supposed to be like insane rain. This could mm. change. And the, the total was set way too high. Way too high. So if that if you keep an eye on the weather radar and really want to lock, go with the under in that game. Right. And BYU traditionally doesn't come out scoring a ton to open the season. They are a team that the offense really gets cranking when the season goes on. Uh, so that was, dude, like I said, I had to really look deep uh, for there, this is there, before it, he asked the question. It's not a good week for college football betting. There's, and, and the lines on a lot of these games are pretty well placed. So I think that that part. No, of it, they that, they know what they're doing. Too. As yeah. you said, uh, as you said, your dad's famous quote. Why do you think the casino buildings look this way? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, Tegan asked this next one. We'll go. We'll go a little rapid fire for the last twenty minutes here. Sure. Can you give your thoughts and predictions on how NIL could impact the twenty twenty three running back class? Would Bijan Robinson return for another season if he's offered enough NIL money? Uh, and not guaranteed as a first-round pick. Could other backs follow suit? Lack of second running back contracts makes the delay uh, due to NIL a little bit more appealing. I think he's right. I mean, I think it's, it's something that a lot of people are talking about, right? How NIL is going to change. Saying how desperate, it feels like the wrong word, but how enticing it might be to go to the professional level and start to make real money. But that's still, I think, only for like those top, top guys, you know, exactly. like if, exactly. if you get to the pros and if you're getting a pro contract, even if it's not a first, even if it's not a first round pick contract, you're still making a lot of really great money. And honestly, for the running back position, a hit is a hit, man. 
That's exactly right. Like every single hit that you take, whether it's at the college or pro, or pro level, you only got so many that you're taking, right? It's the same thing as a camera lens. Camera lens only has a certain amount of clicks to it before it's just it's just going to break down. Yeah, that's it runs how, out. And like that's that's how running backs kind of are. And so for as much as I think NIL is great because it's going to be able to help players who, especially at running back, who have the chance to really unfortunately – get some major injuries to them i don't think it's going to affect draft status that much that's my opinion i agree it's a really good question from tegan the internet is telling us that Bijan robinson's nil value is 1.6 million right now which is a very nice number for a college student don't get me wrong if mm-hmm. i had one eight hundredth of that in college i would have had a hell of a time but the thing is I can't express this enough because I I used to work in this side of things a very, very long time ago. Fans don't see the amount of marketing or off-the-field deals that NFL players are involved with because they could be digital ads. They could be – they're not just all TV ads. It's a great point. There's a lot of hidden money uh, in the – of being an NFL player. Even for guys that aren't frontline players on their teams that go do events, appearances, signings, all these different things that – that money's still going to grow at the NFL level. So it's it's not going to affect guys like B. John Robinson. It's, guys are going to go to the draft because, like you said, Trevor, they have to protect their legs. There's only so many hits they could take. And the NFL money will always be king. It's just that simple. Uh, this one's from Rick. Which team will be the most fun to watch this year that wins seven games or fewer? Which game will be the least fun to watch that wins 11 games or more? He said, my picks are the Falcons and the Colts, respectively. I would go Seahawks and Colts. I also think the Colts are oh, going to be... Man of chaos. Why? You're watching Geno Smith and Drew Locke for well, fun? That, well, that's why they're entertaining. It's I, so bad. That's why I, I said think, man of I chaos. Drew, I think Drew Locke's going to start at one point, and it's just going to be Drew Locke yeah. firing 15 targets a game to DK Metcalf. <laughs> that is kind like, of that's just That's just what it's going to be. So I think the Seahawks, for that reason, and obviously you never know what Pete Carroll is going to do as a head coach. Uh, th- that's why I picked the Seahawks there and then. The Colts, I also think that I just I'm bored of that division overall. I mean, I guess it's oh, a little bit, a little bit more competitive now because the Colts are better. I think the Titans are still going to be a good football team, but I'm just going to feel like that thir- if Thursday Night Football had a division. Oh, bro, of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the official division of Thursday Night Football. <laughs> That's what it feels like um, yeah, near the AFC South. My pick would be, and maybe this is controversial because people seem way higher on them. I think the Lions are the team I like that win seven or fewer. I don't think the Lions are going to eclipse seven wins, although I don't know what their win total set at. It's probably seven and a half. I think the Lions are going to take a huge step forward this year, and I don't think that is all indicated by wins and losses. I think they, they're they obviously in a tough division. Packers are really good. The Vikings have are going to probably do some good things offensively with their new staff this year. The Bears, we'll see. But the Lions will be very competitive, play-hard team. And I thought his answer, the Colts being the least fun to watch team that wins 11 or more is, is spot on. Yeah, I think that's unfortunately. I think any Colts fans out there are going to be pissed at us because we say that. But look, we think that your team's going to win really 11 good. games. You're really You're good. win 11 games. Be happy with it. Jared asked this next one. He said, some have compared Anthony Richardson to Cam Newton in terms of skill set, traits, tools alone. Based off those tools and traits alone, which one of these two goes number one overall so i think that he's he's kind of saying like if, if you i wasn't scouting at the time i mean i was following the nfl draft when cam newton came out in 2010 but taking what cam newton was known as after that season of auburn taking what anthony richardson could be and his athletic gifts of what he is at florida 
uh, who would you be taking um, skill set wise? I think is what he's saying. I mean, it's it's Cam. I think that understandably because the Cam we have seen in recent years is not the Cam that was, you know, MVP caliber Cam. Right. I, Anthony Richardson is really exciting. I, there's not a lot of people higher on what he can be. Uh, I think than this show. I think people forget just how big Cam Newton is. Like Cam Newton is like a legit six five, like two hundred fifty pounds that could run, throw a mile. Anthony Richardson's probably closer to six three and a half, two thirty. So he's significantly smaller and a really big guy. Anthony Richardson. I, I just think Cam was such a unique talent coming yeah. out. It's it's pretty simple for me. I think the answer has to be Cam Newton. Even even if you love Anthony Richardson, and and this is obviously a fun question. Maybe we'll have uh, an even deeper discussion on this. If Anthony Richardson has one hell of a year, maybe he's considered for the Heisman this year. But uh, I'd certainly love that because I'm yeah, that'd be fun Gators fan. But uh, you got to pick Cam. You just got to pick Cam. He's one of the rare NFL talents of all time, and he's just been able to prove it over the last um, over the last day. It would be disrespectful. So, if it would be disrespectful Cam. to not pick Cam. But I do understand. You know, Jared bringing this up talks. I mean, I think it puts into context how athletically gifted Anthony Richardson oh, yeah. is, and a lot of people uh, believe that. Um, it could really be something special this year. It'd be fun if it is. Nathan asked this one. He actually DM'd us this. Uh, what are your thoughts on Brendan Armstrong, the Virginia quarterback? I was expecting him to be on your list for quarterbacks as he had a great year last year. PFF graded him quite highly in a lot of stats. It's actually the third highest returning grade by PFF for QBs behind the big two guys, CJ Stroud and uh, Bryce Young. Just wondering why, where he is lacking. It's not putting him in that top three to 10 QBs in this upcoming draft. Do you have a chance to? Did you watch uh, yeah, Brennan? Watch a lot of him last year. Okay. Um, to me, he's somebody that certainly can finish in this draft class as uh, a top ten quarterback. I think with Brennan Armstrong, it's kind of a simple answer, but I don't think he's the most physically gifted guy in terms of arm strength, running talent, all of those things, and. To succeed that way, you almost need to be immaculate as a decision maker. Um, so if that decision making really is excellent this year and he'll be, you know, not old, but an older, he'll be a 23 year old prospect. He turns 23 in October. Mm -hmm. um, so you always hope guys like that, that the arm does get stronger, but it's not like we're watching him as a 19 or 20 year old. I think for me, Trevor, you just want to see, yeah, decision making improve. He's thrown 21 picks over the last two seasons, which isn't like an insane amount, but it's it's notable. And I think that, once again, I just don't think he's somebody that's going to overwhelm you with raw talent compared to the beginning of this class. Like, Anthony Richardson's the perfect example of a guy that's the opposite. He has all the talent in the world, all the physical capabilities, but hasn't put out the same on-field product that Brennan has. So it's a really good name to bring up on the show and somebody that we probably, in hindsight, should have discussed, at least on the back end of the show. Yeah, um... You know, I just look at the turnover-worthy plays of Brandon Armstrong. I think he brings you a lot of fun, but 21 turnover-worthy plays that was tied for six most in the in the FBS. Yeah, last he's year. a little reckless. And if you and if you sort it by because he did throw the ball a lot, so mm -hmm. you have a tendency to get more turnover-worthy plays the more you throw the ball. Even if you look at turnover-worthy play percentage, he was still top 25 or bottom 25, however you want to say it, uh, in that turnover-worthy play percentage at 3.5 percent. So I think it's really just a decision-making thing with with Brandon Armstrong, just making sure that he's going where he needs to with the ball, understand things at the pre and the post snap. And I, I know that that's, that's a cliche for quarterbacks, but that really is kind of what it's all going to be about for him. That offense, he just throws the ball so much. It's almost like a, hey, I'm going to throw here. And if I make a mistake, cool, it doesn't matter. Like I'm going to come back out throwing the next day or the, the next time out. 
that's that's fine. Like having short term memory is fine. That just has to go down. Like those turnover worthy plays has to have to go down. He needs to take care of the football a little bit more. And if he does that, we're going to see some more really great PFF grades for him. And he's definitely going to be somebody that we uh, that we talk about before next draft season. Joe asked this next one uh, for the. Eventual mailbag episode, I have a question. Kyle Shanahan traded three first-round picks to go get Trey Lance and sat him for an entire year. Matt LaFleur traded up for Jordan Love and sat him for two years, now going on three seasons. This offseason, Lance has flashed a bit inconsistent while Love has looked awesome. If If both players become quality NFL starters, will more teams be willing to draft and develop highly drafted quarterbacks Well, the Eagles did this as well. Right. I mean, like the, the Eagles yep. were in a situation where uh, we thought that they weren't going to press for quarterback and they've ended up bringing in a, a handful of guys over the last couple of years, Jalen hurts being one of them and Jalen hurts obviously being the main quarterback now in Philadelphia. So I think that we, we see this, but Joe is asking it more at a very high level first round pick kind of a level. What do you think about this Connor? Do you think this is a trend? Oh man, it's a good question. I think there's always the in, the hesitation of creating a uh, powder keg quarterback room internally and externally, where it's the only thing analyzed. And it's fascinating to me because, in theory, you should always be trying to develop the most important position in sports, right? Like that's yeah, really what it comes down to. Sure. With the amount of injuries in the sport. Uh, mental failures at times. Guys go through tough... Like, like, we thought 2017, Carson Wentz was going to be a top-five quarterback in this league for 12 years, right? Things happen. Things happen. Quickly, so, too. Quickly, quickly. So freaking quickly. We throw out the phrase, oh, you'll have him for the next 10 years. Ooh, I'm reckless with that. Way too much, man. Yeah. Ain't yeah. nobody in this league lasts in 10 years. No. It almost... The percentage is so far below 1%. And we just, we are not honest with ourselves how quickly this league changes. How quickly, that's an exercise that you and I might be able to do and have a lot of fun with. Let's just go down depth charts of the 2017 NFL season and see how different all of these teams look in the NFL and to think of what they, we thought they were going to be forever. That might be a fun exercise to do at some point. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because there's all of the pressure when you're trying to develop a quarterback long-term, but some of the rewards are saying, hey, hang on and deal with that pressure. So it's a great question that the true answer is time will tell. And I think every player is in a unique situation because you have the flip side of all the guys that played pretty early on and, and seemed fine or the guys that played too early on, didn't seem fine, but didn't really improve in situations where they were allowed to sit and develop. You know what, Trevor? Mitch Trubisky is going to be a fascinating one, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky is a guy that didn't work out in Chicago for a lot of reasons. He went to Buffalo and just sat, and everybody's buying back in, and we're going to see it this year. So a great question that I think the NFL is cautiously watching all of those unique situations. I don't know if it's going to become a full-blown trend. No, listen, guys are always but I do think it's going to play a lot. GM's early. radars. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I think that, that that drafting a quarterback is always going to be on their radar because like you said, it's the most valuable position, whether it's for your team or in trade value, if you if these guys can be good. So I think that it's I don't know. I, I, I probably would say that. No, I don't think it's going to be a, an, a full on trend, but maybe we'll get a little bit more of these instances over the next couple of years. Uh, all right. Corey asked this one. I, I had to get this in the show. He said, now that the preseason is over, in hindsight, what was the biggest first-round reach pick, and why is the only answer Drake London? What? Corey, 
What are you talking about, my guy? Drake London was hurt. Are you saying that because he was hurt at USC and now he's hurt for the Atlanta Falcons, that means that he was overdrafted? Get out of here with that. This is a Drake London podcast, and I think Corey knows it. Yes. Yeah, trying to get under my skin, and you know what? It worked, damn it. Oh, man. A mad offline. It's, um, it's, first off, like, imagine doing this question over the years with Jamar Chase or Odell Beckham, guys that had summers that, you know, it's always too early. That's what we're always going to say. I do like the, the Corey's really riling things up here. I, I, res- I respect. Look, I'm triggered. I re- I'm, I'm triggered. There you go. I respect the intentions to make you triggered, and it clearly worked. So maybe he wins this one I, for I now. Still, I still think the answer. He won the battle. He did not win the war. I still think the answer is Trevor Penning. Oh, I. Yeah, if you want to give a serious answer to the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think it's. I think it's. I still think it's Trevor Penning. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's. I, I have to go look. I haven't. The obvious, normal, intelligent person thing to do would be to look at my board and actually see which first round pick was right. taken the earliest. Right. Off the top of my head, I do think it's it's pending as well. Last one. We're ending with a fun one. This is Ben. He said, "You get five drinks for the rest of your life. Water doesn't count. What are the five? Oh God, I don't even know if I. I don't even drink five drinks besides see, water. I don't either. Uh, this is kind of hard. Ga- Gatorade Zero. What flavor? Uh, what flavor? Lemon lime. Okay, all right. All the time. Solidarity, solidarity baby. I, I'm like I also have Gatorade lemon lime on my list. Dude, so good. Yes. I don't really drink anything else. I put oat milk in my coffee. Wow. Uh, there was Slick a time right. where were you? Um, did you drink a lot of milk as a kid? I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I just can't. I can't do it anymore. I can't drink milk anymore. Dairy. Yeah, you're, you're old now. Yeah, sucks old being now. sucks being old. <laughs> I don't know what else I drink. Beer. I drink beer. Beer is on the list. But like, what kind? You gotta have like a what? what okay, Gatorade Zero, Lemon Lime. Okay, all right. Mo- Modelo for my light beer. Nice. Yep. Uh, sip of Sunshine IPA. Ooh, okay. All right, we're getting uh, weeds. Oban Scotch and Hendrix Gin. Those are the five drinks I would drink for the rest okay, of my damn. life. You're more alcoholic than mine. So well, I, I, I would just drink the Gatorade all the time. I could drink water. I went. I went with like I, I don't know versatility. So like I have I have Gatorade lemon lime on mine. Okay. I have I have whole milk on mine just because it's like I mean like I'm gonna need like milk. You're gonna for, need it for things. That was smart. Right, yeah. Right. So I got milk okay. on there. I screwed I screwed up. <laughs> the beer, and then I've got three alcoholic choices: beer, nice. Coors, Coors Light, baby. Coors Light. That is oh my. Oh my god. That is my quote unquote bad beer of choice. Man, boy, Coors is it Light. Stink. When I'm tailgating, <laughs> when I'm watching football, when I'm doing whatever, cold Coors Light in the hand, baby. Nothing like it. Uh, for seltzers, because I do drink a lot of seltzers, I went with a Vizzy, um, just because I think they're. Yeah. You're spiraling out of control right now. That's fine. And then the last one is red wine. <sighs> You're a wine guy a little bit. Yeah, I forgot wine. I have tequila on here because tequila is oh, like super versatile. Choice yeah but i think my answer is wine yeah i think my my answer's got to be like some sort of cabernet uh, like a quilt cabernet or something it's like funny that. if you ask this question to a person in like the 1700s and they would just be like uh red wine and uh <laughs> and more red wine and that's I, it and, and then like, like and maybe, tea. maybe milk they probably maybe. boiled tea back then but they actually like went out and found the leaves and threw them in the, the boiled water all right, there we go. I, 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 hopefully, hopefully that last question didn't uh, deter you guys from listening to the podcast in the future. Uh, Got to <sighs> remind people about people. our newest sponsor. It's our friends over at Symbol. Um, 
They are the stock market for sports. Symbol was the PFF sponsor last year. They're back for this football season. They let you trade pro and college teams like stocks and earn cash dividend payouts when your team wins. Symbol took the thrill of sports betting and combined it with profitability of the stock market to give you a platform where fortune favors the fan. You can download the Symbol app on iOS, S-I-M-B-U-L-L, in the App Store. Use the promo code NFLSE, and you can get free team stock up to $150. Connor and I are going to be buying and selling teams throughout the season, so join us. Get involved with it. Use that promo code NFLSE. Get yourself up to $150 and compete against the NFL Stock Exchange podcast this season using Symbol. Appreciate everybody who submitted the questions, made it for another fantastic mailbag episode uh, Monday. We go, we go back to three... Three shows a week, and we are coming out of the gate with a bang, baby. 2023 NFL mock draft. That's it's, right, people. It's time. It's time. coming. It's time. We're going to give it to you guys, and it's going to be fun Can't to wait. look back on and uh, make fun of ourselves for the picks that we have for the first mock draft episode. So. Dude, I can't wait. It's it's long overdue. This was yep. a blast. It's going to feel oh so good being back on three times a week. It is. I'm Trevor. That's Connor. Thanks for listening to NFL Stock Exchange. We'll see you guys on Monday.